Hello and welcome to another episode of Chasing Excellence. My name is Patrick Cummings and as always, joined by Ben Bergeron. Every week here on the show, we dedicate some time to exploring how we can live a life of better health and increased fulfillment. We answer your questions about the five factors of health, dive deep on living a life of excellence and explore the strategies and frameworks to help us chase what truly matters. Thank you as always for tuning into the show. How are you, Ben? So good, Patrick. We are uh, in the midst of our new our new formatted show. So if you uh, if this sounds slightly different than usual, it's because it is. Uh, we talked a little bit about it last week. We will not belabor it. Uh, hopefully everybody uh, likes this change. Um, I certainly do. So excited about it. First thing we do uh, in this new format, each episode, we're going to start with listener questions about the five factors of health, those few fundamental behaviors that most positively affect our performance, vitality, and longevity. Those five factors, again, just as a reminder for folks, are how we eat, how we move, how we think, how we connect, and how we recover. First question first is in the move category. Uh, What is the best full body workout that requires zero equipment? Uh, so <laughs> I, I would, I think some sort of combination of push-ups, pull-ups, um, squats and running. So in the, in the crossfit space, this be like some, uh, a, a deviated version of a morphed version of Murph. Mm-hmm. So, um, or a running version of Cindy. So it's actually, this is the workout that I do when I don't have any, I don't know what else to do. I don't have equipment and I want to get a really good workout is, um, some, form of fashion of five pull-ups, 10 push-ups, 15 air squats, and a 400 meter run. So if you want to do that for three rounds, for five rounds, for 10 rounds, whatever it is, or you dial up the inside um, and do maybe three rounds of that. So three rounds of five, 10, 15 pull, push, squat, mm-hmm. and a 400 meter run, or 20 pull-ups, 40 push-ups and 60 squats and a run. But that type of thing, you get upper body pull, upper body push, and a lower body complete thing with the cardiovascular movement of the most functional thing that there is, which Mm -hmm. is moving your body from A to B. Mm -hmm. So uh, some form of pull, push, squat, run. Love that. Next one. I recently got my first training injury, and this is the uh, first time I've I'm having to deal with training while injured. Being limited and watching others do what I can't is quite mentally tough sometimes, and I'm not sure how to get past it. What The question is how to get past it? Yes. <laughs> uh, okay, I don't want to sound unsensitive. Mm-hmm. Get over it. Mm-hmm. It's a part of life. You're not going to go through life without, it's the same question of like, I'm sick. I've been sick for four days. I'm having a hard time watching everyone else go to work. How do I get past that? Mm-hmm. You realize it's a part of life. So this is, we do not live in the perfect world. And because you don't want to experience an injury, doesn't mean it's not something you have to deal with. You have to deal with reality of which is presented in front of you. It doesn't matter what you wish and you want and you hope. It's what's actually here now. So this is the same type of person that goes, I've been planning my camping trip for a long time and now it's raining. How do I deal with that? You deal with realities. Now, if the question was, how do I not get injured while I'm training? Mm -hmm. Different conversation. But once you're injured, you literally deal with it. It's not a matter of um, reframe. So here's, okay. The beginning part is the step one is your past step one. You're aware of it. You're aware that this is something that bothers you. That's a big step. 
Step two is you reframe it. This actually isn't a hindrance. This is an opportunity for me to X, Y, or Z. Spend more time with my family, work on my business, or maybe somebody hurt a shoulder and it's time to work on their squats. So it's not an obstacle, it's an opportunity. Step three out of that is you let go of all of that and you just let it be what it is. You're injured. There's nothing you're really going to do about it. It's a part of living life on planet Earth. There is adversities and you just kind of roll with it. Step four (laughs) is you're excited about it. Now, it's an elevated state where you get injured and you go, cool, this is a way for me to work on my character. I realize this is something that I struggle with. I realize this is something that I'm having a hard time getting past. This is a chance for me to come out of this as a better version of myself. Will you be fitter? Most likely not. Can you be, air quotes, stronger? Absolutely. You recognize this for what it actually is. This is a cool chance for you to work through some of the garbage that's in your head. Next one's a nutrition question. What's your take on eating every two hours versus eating a large breakfast, lunch, and dinner? I'm a quote-unquote snacker and will typically have breakfast, uh, mid-morning snack, lunch, mid-afternoon snack, and dinner. Should I combine my morning snack to my breakfast meal and afternoon snack to lunch? And just for context, they listed some of the foods they eat and they're all relatively clean. So it's like, it's not a cool quality issue, I don't think. To each their own. Um, so like, and I really, so to each their own, everyone's going to, what works best for you? Um, so if you can find the strategies that allow you to feel satisfied, enjoying life and getting the right amount of quality and quantity nutrition, cool, go for it. From there, it's all these like little case studies of one that you can then, well, I should say you can put people in buckets and then case studies of one. So are you an elite athlete? Are you um, somebody that's um, in the corporate boardroom all the time? Are you a shift worker? Are you somebody that's trying to lose weight? All of those things would have different recommendations. But from a blanket statement, whether you eat five small healthy meals a day or two, there's not that much better or worse. There's some science saying both ways. I happen to eat two big, bigger meals a day. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to do the snacking thing, but that doesn't mean it's necessarily that much better. It's what's better for you. So this person eating as clean as they are that way, I, I don't think I would change that much. Now, if they said, I'm having gut issues while I work out, I'm having trouble sleeping, um, I'm having a crash, da, da, da. then there's other conversations, but none of that was up there. Nope. They said, should I change for the sake of changing? Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. It's interesting. I recently, I used to do the two big meals and I probably about a month ago switched from three meals and a protein shake in the middle of the day. Cause I, I realized, and it's sort of dumb that it took me this long to realize, but I just realized I wasn't getting enough protein and that's cause I was only eating two big meals and I was only getting so much yep. <laughs> protein in each one of those meals. So I was like, the only way I can get to the numbers that I think I need to is one, eat breakfast, which is, I was just generally skipping and then adding a protein shake. Cool. So, uh, it's been much, much better. Yeah. Um, instead of, especially instead of trying to jam all of those caloric needs into two meals, which I just, I was just failing at quite frankly. Um, okay. Next question. Recovery bucket. How would you go about managing sleep for performance as a first responder who's constantly changing from day shift, afternoon shift to night shift to days off? Hmm. Um, the answer you're not going to like, but the real answer is quit your job. <laughs> yeah. That I mean, that honestly, yeah. if you're trying to maximize performance, you can't maximize performance doing what you're doing. Yeah. 
if that's not feasible, if that's not in the cards, it becomes a matter of really trying hard to set yourself up for your next sleep cycle. Mm. So your body's so out of whack. It's really out of whack when um, you're on that inconsistent of a schedule. What you're going to try to do is just try to get your body to recognize when, as quickly as it can, when is the next sleep coming? And that usually that starts when when you first wake up. So whether depending on when you wake up, what you want to do is get um, a few things. You want to get as as much real light exposure as you possibly can by realizing Realize the sun. sun. Yep. That's really hard for people that are potentially waking up at ten o'clock at night. Yep. But that's the first one if you can do it. The next one is um, get your body moving as quickly mm. as you can. The next one is um, if you're able to um, try to take like a cold shower, mm-hmm. that actually, in, it's counterintuitive, but that actually increases your body temperature, which is what naturally happens when you sleep. Your body temperature actually goes down by about a degree and a half when you wake. So what you're doing is you're further enhancing all these natural cycles. Mm. Um, the next one is move. A bunch of, did I ever say that one? Yeah, no. you said move. Okay. Um, then the next one would be actually to delay. This is actually counterintuitive as well. Delay your caffeine intake. Mm-hmm. So you want to delay your caffeine intake because there's already a natural kind of like uptick. You want that natural uptick to happen and don't have caffeine until about 90 minutes to two hours after you wake. Mm-hmm. That's actually in order to like maximize the whole sleep thing. The most important time is when you're waking up. Mm-hmm. It's actually not setting up for when you go to bed. Interesting. Now, the next thing is when you go to bed, you kind of do the opposite things. You try to get your body to cool down a little bit. That could be a really hot shower. Again, counterintuitive. Your body acts oppositely to its environment. Um, try to lower, try to dim lights as much as you can. Um and try to get your body to be as chill as possible. So not a lot of vigorous exercise. You're trying to get your exercise in as quick as you can when you wake, not at the end. Got it. Love that. Okay. Last one uh, for this uh, section is my mom is your typical yo-yo daughter uh, dieter. She's always trying fad diets, detoxes, and making challenges that result in a binge when the a lot of time is over. She's constantly negative about herself and her weight, and it's hard to be around. I don't feel that I can say anymore without jeopardizing our relationship. I know consistency is what she needs, and once she sees that sticking to something for a period of time will make a big difference, how would you go about convincing her of this? That's a great question. Yeah. And I don't have the answer to that, <laughs> right? That's like, yeah. if I had that, um, I'd be able to affect a lot more lives than I have because yeah. it's how do you convert somebody that doesn't want to be converted? Um, the I'll tell you, for starters, I would um, stop pushing because when you're pushing there's this little thing that's probably coming across subconsciously like I'm actually sort of disappointed in you. So I would let go of that aspect and approach it with as much empathy as possible and try to understand what the struggles are and why are they complaining about their health, their weight, whatever it is, so you can truly help them. It's the it's George Washington approach to leadership, which is listen 
le- listen, learn, then help, then lead type mm-hmm. thing. And what most people do is they come up with all this yep. thought leadership. You should do this diet because that, and yep. you haven't, it's really hard to um, not throw those uh, suggestions against a brick wall that you get bounced back in your face. So um, the next one is be creative in your own suggestions. Meaning maybe you really believe in macros or you really believe in paleo or keto or whatever it might be. And that's what you're trying to get them to do, which again, those aren't the right things for everybody. So figure out what the protocols are. As I'm doing this, I'm trying to filter through how we got my father and mother-in-law to do it. Mm -hmm. And we struggled for about a decade to try to get them to eat better. And we did everything from like the guilt trips yeah. to like the pleads to yeah. the- I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, everything. And they're like, <laughs> you, you had to the, I know what I'm talking about. But Dr. Oz said, yeah. and I heard on Oprah that, yeah. you know, chocolate's actually good for you. And that's why I should, even though I'm diabetic, I should have this piece of chocolate every night. Okay. Um, <laughs> and we actually finally came up, it, like it happened at the beginning of this year, they tried the whole 30. Mm-hmm. And that would, for whatever reason, right place, right time, if we had asked them to do the whole 30, maybe 10 years ago, it probably wouldn't have helped. But for whatever reason that, and they have um, done it since, we're now um, about 10 months removed from that. Mm -hmm. And um, my mother-in-law is off of all of her diabetes medication, which she has taken for about 30 years. Mm -hmm. And... um, my father-in-law is down about 30 pounds. Um, and it's um, it's the one thing that, for whatever reason, of all the things that we've talked about, yep. it's stuck. Awesome. That's really cool. Good for them. All right. That was uh, that was our formerly, I don't know what to call it anymore, formerly two-minute drill. We'll, we'll come up with some name. That was our warm-up. That's what we're going to call it. That was our warm-up. Uh, let's dive into the workout, uh, which is when you and I kind of do a deep dive on a subject. This one's going to feel a little bit meta, um, but as I was, as we were working on the new format, as you and I obviously were talking about it, um, a question arose, which is, which is like maybe it's time to not redefine, but maybe just update what it means when we say chase, chasing excellence, what the what the 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 bigger picture idea behind the show is, and maybe even track us through what kind of what was it when we started this? You know, it was. It, <laughs> We didn't really know what it was when we started it. Like it was, it was a, it was a cool title, and then we've kind of lived into it. Um, and so I'd love just to chat a little bit about um, what it means today, and maybe where it came from, and what's changed, and why it's changed, if it has. Love this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, we have it every week. <laughs> <laughs> when we started this seven, eight years ago, whenever we did. Chasing excellence was about being a high achiever. Mm-hmm. It was about doing something really special in a chosen endeavor. We really leaned into athletic excellence and business. So those were the two things that at the time I was trying to put all of my chips in on mm-hmm. over the last almost decade, that understanding of what excellence is has evolved. To me, today, chasing excellence has 
something to do with being a high achiever. But if it's a high achiever in a single endeavor, that to me is not what we should be chasing. Mm -hmm. That is something that you're going to get a lot of attention for. People are going to be really interested in you, but it doesn't mean that you're going to end up fulfilled. Mm -hmm. And to me, there is no greater pursuit that any of us could have in our lives than to have a life of passion, purpose, joy, love, peace of mind, well-being, vitality, longevity, and centeredness. That to me is what excellence is. That is what we should all be chasing. I don't know if it's the elusive bar of soap that the harder we squeeze, the harder it is to hold <laughs> on to it. That was, but yeah, okay. But to me, that is what we should all be chasing. We have been led to believe that success is on the other side of achievements and you have success when other people envy your position. This eight-year conversation that we've been having has evolved my perspective on that to be something quite a bit different. Mm. And I believe that it starts with this this idea, this understanding that when we are on our deathbed, we want to have the ability to look back and say, yes, I'm so glad that that's where I spent my time. You know, if there was, if there's a question we should all, I, I, what is the one question we should ask ourselves? What is the single question we should ask ourselves all the time that will help direct us at all times? Mm-hmm. And to me, that is, how can we best spend this time on earth? Because mm-hmm. the relative component of how long this is, we don't even know, is 100 years longer shorts to get kind of meta. We don't know how long that is. So forget about the length of time you have here. You have a set amount of time. You don't know if it's going to be 10 years, 50, 100, or 150. And what is that? Because the dragonfly that lives 24 hours doesn't think it's living 24 hours. It thinks it's living a whole life. Mm-hmm. How are we going to spend the time that we have here? And the easy thing to chase is bigger, next, and more. Yep. That is solely based from an evolutionary perspective on our biology. We chase bigger, next, and more because it enhanced our ability to survive. If you had one goat, you had a better chance of surviving than you have no goats. If you had 10 goats, you had a better chance of surviving than you have one goat. If you had a flock or a herd or people working for you with tens of thousands of goats, your chance of living through a bad winter or two were so substantially higher than if you had that one goat. That's why that's built into us. If you had 
a plot of land that you could call your own with a substantial shelter on it, you had such a better chance of surviving than if you had nothing and you had to forge for your next place to lay your head that night. Well, if you had acres of land and running water and electricity and servants' quarters and a palace and people serving you dinner, like that level of more ensured your level of survival. The rich lived longer than the poor. That's been baked into our survival mechanisms. If we stay at that survival level, which we can go to a supermarket Mm -hmm. and get all the food we could possibly ever want. I forget, you don't have to go to a supermarket anymore. You go on your phone and any food that you want is delivered to you at any... Yet, we have never been, ever been in our world, we have never been solved for the outside better. Mm -hmm. The outside is, it's solved. Like the house you live in is in. I don't care. I don't have to see your house. (laughs) It's insane. Better than the cave. Compared to 10,000 years ago. It's insane. You drive a dope car. You could get food, any food delivered to your house. You get almost anything delivered to your house within two hours or two days. All of these outside things, we don't have to worry about it anymore. The man with an empty stomach has one problem. The man with a full stomach, a thousand. We have full stomachs. So we have a thousand problems. We are now able to question our our existence. We can now do, we can now evolve our consciousness. But what we are societally still rewarding is the person who has the doper car. Mm-hmm. This conversation, Chasing Excellence, is about evolving the conversation above, you should go to law school, Patrick, because you'll be able to get a better job and you will ensure, in air quotes, your survival. That's why they want you to go to law school. Mm-hmm. That's why they want you to get become a doctor. That's why they want you to become a CPA. That's why they want you to a sure job. They want you to marry somebody that fits the bill because they know that that will help you live a life that at least you're not going to be abused and battered. We need to evolve. This is excellence. This is not chasing mediocrity. This is not chasing survival. And if we stay at that level conversation, that's what we're doing. And what we don't realize is excellence is about fulfillment. It is about living lives of passion, doing what sets your heart on fire. It is living a life of purpose. It is about growing and making humanity as a whole better, not just yourself. But in order to do that, you have to take care of yourself. And that's why health is such a big conversation that we do. You cannot fill from an empty bucket. So if you are sick, I don't. you can't help people. You are now a liability and not an asset. Mm-hmm. If we want to evolve as a species, we've gone through some of these massive transformations from the Industrial Revolution to the, well, first starting with the Agricultural Revolution. Now we don't have to hunt and gather. We can actually settle down and have societies to the Industrial Revolution, to the technology. Now we're in the midst of a healthcare revolution. Well, let's evolve our sense of well-being. Let's chase the right things that will make us happy, happy in terms of not 
pleasure, but happy in terms of fulfillment. And that is what the conversation is. That's what chasing excellence is. Let's make sure that we're steering towards the right things, keeping balance at all times, not just chasing one. This is the thing that a lot of people, you chase one thing as hard as you can, all in, and you get the accolades, awards, achievements, and people applaud you, but other things have fallen apart and shattered. It is about making sure that we're maintaining the balance across all things, not only the five factors which fall into health, but are we living a life of love? Are we living a life of true, meaningful experiences? Are we living a life of health, of leadership, helping other people become better versions of themselves and helping the less fortunate? And are we growing, evolving, and becoming better ourselves and as humanity as a whole? Love that. All of that. That was great. I'm not even going to ask any questions because that was an awesome, both awesome summary of the conversations we've had, but also a really cool launching pad for um, what we're doing going forward. So I'm excited about that. We're going to go, we're going to do a quick cool down question uh, in a minute. But first, uh, I wanted to start um, mostly just saying thank you to folks who send us really cool notes uh, and leave reviews uh, about the show. So this is a review from, uh, I think it was Apple Podcast. It says, this podcast is absolutely life-changing. Ben's view on not only fitness, but mental health has helped, has helped me be a happier, healthier person. I'm, I've found myself uh, repeating the lessons I've learned to my classes as a coach, to my employees as a boss, and to my kids as a father. Thank you for putting out such amazing content. So thank you. Uh, I've said this in the last episode. Apple Podcast doesn't really hmm. tell us who that that's super the cool name is. I really, that's but, awesome. Yeah. That's, um, but thank you to everybody out there who leaves ratings uh, and reviews. You know, as a little side note, like yeah. we, when we first started doing this, I can, like we had uh, probably 50 of these conversations yep. um, and we just have these conversations and you, you, you kind of almost forget when we're having them that people listen to this and it's impactful. Mm -hmm. So it's really cool to hear um, how people resonate with it. Great. Excellent. All right. Last question we have for this week. Uh, we used to do hopper talks when I would just take random questions from the internet and we would just bat it back and forth. So that's what we're going to do. Uh, the question, I'm going to let you go first. What is socially unacceptable but really should not be? I, I go first? Yeah, I'll let you go first this time. Okay. Socially unacceptable should but should not be. Um, all right. I'll go a, a couple quick ones. Yeah. Uh, first one is um, being introverted, mm. being at a party and not talking. Yep. Like- it, we, for some reason, we all love the quote class clown, yeah. like the person that's just like loud, rambunctious. And like, that's, that's, and the person that is quiet, like if someone's quiet at a party, usually somebody that's close to them asks them, what's wrong? What's wrong? <laughs> exactly. I got that question a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe nothing's wrong. Yeah. So that like yeah. being quiet should be socially acceptable. Okay. On a, on a little bit darker note, maybe, um, and I only speak of this because it's affected us. Um, but conversations about miscarriages. Mm, yeah. We've we've had our experiences with them. And I want you... They're so not rare. Yeah. They're so not rare. And yet it's like a, a thing that people don't want to talk about. I just think that makes it m more shameful, more... You don't want to talk about it, and it makes you feel worse yep. when it happens. If it was, you pop the lid off the thing, everyone's having a conversation about it, like, it wouldn't be as, 
it, it might just normalize it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think it would alleviate a lot of that. Yeah. And I'll leave it with uh, one last one. Um, the other day I went to Starbucks and I saw this guy um, sitting down and he had no phone, no book. He didn't have his coffee yet. Mm-hmm. He was just sitting there like a psychopath. <laughs> Like, how is it weird if you are sitting down in public and you're not on your phone? Like, how is that? I saw like driving to work today. You noticed him driving to work today. I saw I I saw another woman standing at the sidewalk, just looking around. Mm -hmm. And you're like, that's weird. (laughs) Why is she not looking at her phone? (laughs) Yeah. That should be normal. I'm I'm right there with you. I'm going to go be that guy at Starbucks soon. Um, my answer, uh, what is socially unacceptable? It really shouldn't be. I think I think talking about money should mm, be more I socially love that. Acceptable. That's been on my mind a lot. Yeah. I love that. And just getting just getting more comfortable, even if you don't know what you're talking about, just getting more comfortable talking about it, asking questions. Because like so many things, it's it, it, nobody talks about it. So it feels like, Oh God, yeah. I don't know anything, or I can't ask that question, or I'm really confused. But I guess that's something I keep to even myself. like the conversations, like of like, you know what? I like to, to even expand upon that and make it more specific is like the conversations about like how much people make. Mm-hmm. I don't think that should be as taboo as it is. I yeah. think it would help to help people so much. Like at at some points in my life, in my journey, I'm like, I don't even know if like. Am I sub like where am I supposed to be right now? <laughs> right. Like what and because no one talks about any of this. That's a, that's a theory of the rich dad poor dad. Have you read that? I have. I know what it is, but I haven't read it's it. It's the first book that I read. Like one of the first books when I got out of college that my parents gave me, and it um, it really set the foundation. It's basically the the premise of the whole story is he had these two dads: his real dad and his best friend's dad. Yeah. His real dad, n- money was evil. You don't talk about it. And the rich dad, his best friend, was a he was an entrepreneur. So they talked about it at every dinner table. They mm. talked about it all the time. Everything was money. And it was just a normal conversation. Like you would talk about healthy food. Like you would talk about manners. Like you would talk about um, church or God. Like mm-hmm. it was a normal part of the conversation. And he realized that's why... Mm a lot of rich people stay rich. It's not necessarily that they inherit the wealth, it's that they inherit the the normalcy yeah. of it. Imagine if we treated health like we treat wealth. We treat you never you talked know, about fitness or, or nutrition like we treat, yeah. Oh, like, oh no, that's, oh, no, we don't no, talk no, about no. that here, right? Yeah. Imagine, I mean, not as if we're in a wonderful place globally as it is talking about health, yes. but imagine where we'd yes. be if it was a secret. If it was like you don't talk about that, don't ask, don't ask me questions about that. Right, and that's how we treat. That's how we treat wealth. That's how we treat money. Um, that's strange to me. Yeah, and like I'm, it is I'm, I'm in it. Like I get it. Like I, it's very strange that that was the, yeah, that that was the way it was. Oh no, I'm saying if I talked about it, it would be weird and awkward. Yeah, yeah, yeah but we do talk about it with our kids a lot. Cool, because um, mostly because of that, and I think I've talked about it on this. Our two older kids who are now 22 and 18. Um, I gave them each, you know, 500 bucks to invest into the market, but only after they read two books and gave me reports on them. And one of those two books was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Cool. Awesome. Hi, my friend. Thank you very much. Thank you, everybody out there for listening. Thank you for your ratings and your reviews. Ben and I will be back 
for a new another episode of Chasing Excellence next week.